2 Thessalonians 3, 1-5. Hear the word of the Lord. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Thanks, Mark. Hi. I'm Preacher Mark. I loved it. I was like, Preacher Mark, wow, not heard that one in a while. It's good to be with you this evening as we look at these uh, short verses and maybe even a short sermon. How's that? Um, but uh, welcome to those who are here tonight, uh, maybe some visitors, and uh, it's good to be uh, together. For those who are on online, it's great to be uh, in your, wherever we are with you, in your, on, your, on your devices somewhere. In 2011, a year six primary school student at Rehoboth wrote about their school's motto. That motto is just up there, Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. So I do have permission from the student's parents to share this, although this was quite a long time ago now. Here's what the student wrote. I think the school chose Soli Deo Gloria for our school's motto, because it is saying that we are only saved by God, no credit to us. I think the attitude that we should have with this motto is not to be boastful, but only in Jesus Christ, for we do not have the right to boast at all. We should be praying and praising God every day because he more than deserves it. Now, I'm sure at Bull Creek, we are likely to agree with that student's words. We're likely to see that those are biblical sentiments. However, there's a crucial piece of information that that student made that I think you need to know so you understand the context that that student made that statement. In February that same year, so 2011, that little, that um, student's little sister died. That event, that loss, that grief gives his words much richer meaning, doesn't it? The words have been tested in the face of death, in the face of loss. You see, this young brother in Christ gives us evidence of the truth that I want us to consider tonight. The very truth each one of us should not only say, with our lips, and nod to with our heads, and believe in our minds, but we must be gripped by this truth. The truth is this, that it's the faithfulness of the Lord that guards his people and directs them in love and steadfastness. Let me say that again. It is the faithfulness of the Lord that guards his people and directs them in love and steadfastness. As we look at the passage tonight, our faithful Lord invites us to pray in the face of opposition, 
to trust him for support and to endure because of his love and steadfastness. So we need to place every confidence in the Lord. Let's look at that first point where Paul talks about praying because there is opposition out there. We want to ask the Lord for the speed of his word, for a speedy delivery of his word, and for deliverance ourselves. Now, if you look back at chapter 2, so what we saw last week in Second Thessalonians, Paul discusses our opposition, the opposition that's coming. So he talked about the man of lawlessness who arises before Jesus Returns, And so he says in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 2, so you can look back there, just follow along. It says that believers must not be unsettled or be deceived. It will be a difficult time where it says in verses 9 and 10, by Satan's activity, all kinds of counterfeit miracles are going to be done. Signs and wonders of every sort of evil to deceive those who are perishing. And then he goes on in verses 10 to 12. They perish, he says, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth and those who had pleasure in unrighteousness. So who is opposing the Lord? Who is opposing his word? Who is opposing his people? Well, there's that man of lawlessness or even the mystery of lawlessness that's at work even right now with counterfeit signs to deceive people. There's Satan's activity that's going on and that work in the world that's trying to deceive people and destroy people. And then there's the very people themselves who are perishing. Those who reject the truth, those who delight in wickedness. See, in the face of this powerful opposition, Paul tells us in chapter 3, verse 1, He says that we are to place our confidence in politics, in intelligence, and in weapons. Paul says, form a think tank, write to your local MPs, and demand that the police stop the woke agenda that's occurring around us. Okay, I made that part up. Paul didn't say anything like that, did he? Instead, he says, give up, brothers. The world is lost anyway. Just wait for Jesus. It'll all be over soon. Okay, now you're probably wondering, does this guy even know what the Bible says, right? (laughs) Look at verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. As we face powerful opposition, That, humanly speaking, could definitely overwhelm any of us or all of us. Paul commands believers to pray. Pray to the Lord for two things in this verse. He says, pray for the speedy advance and honor of the Lord's word and pray for deliverance from wicked and evil men. 
why does the apostle, this apostle Paul, the apostle Paul who wrote large chunks of the New Testament, why does he command prayer for his task? This is what he's going to do. And he's saying, pray for my protection as I preach the word. Well, because Paul knows he's not a superman. He was threatened. He was abused. He fled for his life from Thessalonica. However, it seems really the reason, if you look at the verse, the reason is related to that phrase at the last part of verse 1. As happened among you. Paul was in Thessalonica, as we've already heard in other sermons. He was in Thessalonica for only three Sabbaths, according to Acts 17. But the word went speedily. It sped ahead and was honored by the Thessalonian believers. In just that short time, in just three weeks, a church was formed. There was a congregation of God's people after three Sabbaths. Wicked and evil men did oppose God. Remember, you know the story. They opposed God. They opposed his preaching. Even some who claimed to be religious, right, Shannon? Religious people, they opposed his preaching. But he was no match for the word and the power of the Lord's word. Right? No match. All of the opposition were no match for the word of God, which went speedily and was embraced by the Thessalonian believers. In our day, there is powerful opposition. But it is no match for our Lord as we ask him to pray, to speed his word and deliver believers from wicked and evil people. Place your confidence in the Lord. Ask our Lord to speed his gospel, his message, his word. Ask it to speed ahead and mightily change people, that it would be honored by people around us, people around Perth. Now, we sometimes think, and I know because I think the same thing, it's a bit pushy to force our religious views on other people. That might be a common thing that occurs in your head when you think of sharing the gospel with someone. Oh, I don't want to be too pushy. But Paul commands prayer for a speedy delivery and the spread of gospel truth. Be confident. Be on the front foot when it comes to asking the Lord for these things. Knowing that otherwise, well, what did we see in chapter 2 verse 11? If the gospel doesn't speed ahead to save people, to open their eyes and to help them come to understand and honor the Lord and his word, if the gospel doesn't do that in people's lives, verse 11 of chapter 2 tells us they will only believe the lie and be condemned for delighting in their wickedness. So think of unbelievers that you know the ones you interact with on a regular basis, regularly ask the Lord to cause them to receive the gospel truth and then take steps to tell them the truth. And like the worst that could happen is they reject you, right? Or things happen against you because of that. But the Lord can deliver you, right? 
And who knows, but the Lord will deliver them if they do embrace that gospel truth. So that's the first thing we see in that passage, pay, pray because there's opposition. But the next thing we see is trust because there is support. That's in verses 3 and 4. Let's look at them. See, our faithful Lord, he establishes us and he guards us. Now, I have weak knees and weak ankles. I don't run because of my weak knees and I cannot ice skate or rollerblade because of my weak ankles. And you look at me and you're probably thinking, yeah, there's probably a bit more to that story. There's other reasons you cannot run and ice skate and uh, and uh, rollerblade. Yeah, okay, I admit it. Fitness is certainly a factor in all of that, right? But that is exactly my point. Look at Paul's words in verses 3 and 4. Look at what he says. Notice these things. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Who is the fit one in those verses? Who's the one that's fit or who the one who makes us fit? Who's the faithful one? The Lord is the faithful one. Who establishes who? Well, it's the Lord who establishes believers. Who guards who? Well, it's the Lord who guards believers against the evil one. And who does Paul have confidence in about the obedience of the Thessalonian believers? Well, Paul's confidence is not in them. Paul's confidence is in the Lord. That believers are doing and will do the commanded things. Humans are weak. Like my weak knees and my weak ankles, we have an inherent weakness. But we also have a weakness from lack of fitness. Our inherited weakness is from our father, Adam. Way back at the beginning of Genesis, we have the weakness of the flesh, the weakness of the sinful flesh. And like Adam, sin tempts us to doubt the Lord's word and to disobey his commands. And we live by fleshly desires, those things that entice us away from obedience to God and towards things that are wicked and evil. And we often live by our fleshly desires instead of our faith in God. Paul tells us here, the Lord is faithful. But we're not always so sure, are we? We're not always so sure that the Lord is faithful. Especially when there's enemies surrounding us, when things look like they're going against us, when things in our lives seem to be breaking down, maybe it's our health, maybe it's our relationships, maybe it's our culture just constantly, constantly coming against us and we feel under attack all the time. And we go, will the Lord really take care of me? Is he really faithful? See, the flesh is one of our weaknesses. But lack of fitness is another. 
So is Paul's solution here, what we see in these verses, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and try harder next time? No. Paul says it in verse 3. Paul says, the Lord will establish you. He will establish you. And then he goes on in verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things we command. You are established and you are obedient due to what the Lord is doing in and through you. Paul depended on strength and protection from the Lord to minister. That's what he asked the Philippian, or the Thessalonian believers to pray for him. Paul depended on that strength and protection. And so, believer, you and I must do the same. In the face of temptation, what do you pray? When you fa- fear sharing God's word with others, How do you ask the Lord to help you? With the world's significant and sustained opposition to the belief in the truth of the word of God, that ongoing thing, you see it in the media, you hear it on the news, you hear it in podcasts or wherever you look, this ongoing lack of belief in the truth of God's word, can I encourage you? Focus your attention on our Lord's work in us. Ask for him to help you. Ask for him to help you keep from despair or from discouragement. Ask the Lord to help. Ask the Lord to lead us not into temptation. Ask the Lord to protect us from evil. And ask him for strength to follow his commands. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. God commands something in your life. Ask him for the strength to do what he commands. We saw it in the passage in Luke chapter 11. If you ask God for good things, he is going to give them to you. Ask, seek, knock. Ask him. He is faithful. And he will give us all the support that we need to continue to walk. Or run or ice skate or rollerblade or whatever you're doing. See, we pray in the face of opposition. We trust him for support. And then lastly, we endure. Because brothers and sisters, you are loved. God's love in Christ is our home base. Now, growing up, my friends and I used to play hide and seek. Now, there's a lot of different versions of hide and seek, but our version, there was a home base where the person who was going to seek people, he would, uh, he or she, they would stand on home base and they would count to 30 or whatever number we determined. They would count, allowing the rest of the players time to hide. Now, we had these big neighborhood games, so we could hide in anybody's yard. Like, there's five or six yards that we could hide in. Anyway, so we'd have these big neighborhood games. And after counting, the seeker would go out to go find the people. Now, if he spotted you, you could attempt to run to home base. And if you arrived at home base before he tagged you or she tagged you, uh, then you were safe. Okay, so on home base, you didn't have to hide and you were safe from any threat. Home base. 
Paul directs our attention in this last verse to the home base of the believer's walk in this world. The place where you don't have to hide. The place where you are safe from any threat. See, Paul asked, well, look at what he says here. Ask our Lord, may our Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Paul asked the Lord to light our path to home base so that we endure based on God's love, so that we endure based on the steadfastness of Christ. So let's talk just a little bit about God's unconditional and faithful love. It means that we don't have to hide in shame and fear. He called us into a relationship with him. And he knows us fully. He knows what you're like. You don't hide from him. You can't hide from him. And in love, he predestined us. To be conformed to the image of his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he loves us. And he loves us enough and he didn't leave us in our sin. He loved that much that someday we're going to look like Jesus. His dearest beloved son. And then we're also directed to Christ's steadfastness. Now, the life of a believer, it has many ups and downs, doesn't it? Ups and downs, ups and downs, like a roller coaster. Sin can distract me. People can frighten me. Death threatens me. And when I'm being honest, being steadfast, you think about it, being steadfast. James tells us, blessed, in, uh, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 tells us this, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And if I'm honest, being steadfast is an area of my life that needs much improvement. Do you know the same ups and downs? Do you have those same things happen in you that distract you, that frighten you, that threaten you? See, our salvation, though, the way I'm saved is not based on my goodness. It's not based on my steadfastness. The way you're saved is not based on your goodness or your steadfastness. Home base for the believer is God's love for us. We love because he first loved us. That's what 1 John 4:19 says. Paul noted about the Thessalonians' love for one another in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says concerning brotherly love, you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. See God's love taught them how to love. When you know God's love, you will know how to love others rightly, properly, in grace and mercy. See, being home in God's love enabled the believers in Thessalonica 
to love others. Being home in God's love will allow you to love others properly. And on top of God's love, Christ's righteousness means that he endured everything, everything. He endured it and did it perfectly for his people. So that we could take refuge in him. Believers are at home base and nothing can touch us in Christ. Nothing. The worst thing that could happen to us, death in this life and facing the wrath of God for our sin forever in hell, the worst thing that happened to us, Jesus in his steadfast love dealt with it all. Believer, you and I, now and forever, shelter in the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Be fully confident in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we want to thank you. We know that what we hear from your word tonight is gold, it's safety, it's security forever in your love and Christ in your steadfastness. Lord, I pray for any who are here who don't know that love and that steadfastness yet, who are not on home base. Lord, help them, show them, open their eyes and help them embrace Christ. Lord, we pray that for our friends, for our neighbors, for people that we know that don't know you yet. Lord, we pray that the gospel would speed ahead, would touch their hearts, and that people would come to honor the word of God in their lives. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.